0: The Lord. Oh, I'm glad He loves us, aren't you? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, you can open your Bible tonight if you have it with you. How I many have got a Bible? Got a Bible? Praise God. All right. Amen. Yeah, and take a take a sword test here. See who's got their weapons. Amen. Good to have the word of the Lord with us tonight. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you have them with you tonight, to the book of Psalms. The um, Psalm 142, the um, week before last, uh, we were gone, Vicky and I were last week, so Brother Jim took care of the service, ministered last week. Week before last, um, I began a um, two-part, what I was thinking would be a two-part message, uh, lesson on... Um, on David and and how to behave in a cave. You remember that, yes, how to behave in a cave, and so um, we're going to try to finish this up this evening. Continue where we left off uh, the week before last. So I'll do a little bit of reviewing on what we talked about, and what we covered, and uh, try to to uh, get into some to some things tonight. Some, some, just some basic principles and lessons from this 142nd Psalm that I believe be a blessing to us. And uh, in Psalm 142, um, we notice the heading of that Psalm and your Bible says, a contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. And so we know that this is a prayer that David prayed when he was in the cave in a difficult time in his life. So let's read this, um, this 142nd Psalm, seven verses, so it wouldn't take, won't take us too awful long to read it. And um, there's some good stuff here, all right? I'm reading from the New King James tonight. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before Him. I declare before Him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see. For there was no one, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me for you shall deal bountifully with me. Amen. Let's ask God's blessing upon the word of God tonight in the ministry of the word. Father, thank you for your precious holy word, for the privilege that you've given that you've given us to teach the word of God, to minister the word of God here tonight. And I'm asking for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you will anoint me tonight to help me to deliver what you've laid upon my heart, and anoint these, your people tonight as well to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, let us be recipients of the seed of the Word of God that it will bring forth fruit in our lives. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 David, at this particular time, was facing one of the darkest hours in his life. He is in a situation where he's being pursued by Saul. Of course, Saul wants him dead. And so he has fled from Saul and he is held up either in the cave of Adullam or in Gedi. One of those two particular times. Those are two, two times in the Word of God that we see that David was in a cave. So it was one of those two situations where he was in the cave. Both times he was being pursued by Saul. And both times was a dark period in his life. So he's in a place of a dark place, a place of discouragement. He's in a place of despair. And he's in a place of doubt. And you can see that. We can readily see that from this psalm when you read this prayer that he prayed. He talked about how that he was, he, he poured out his complaint before the Lord and that his spirit was overwhelmed within him and that he was brought. He said in verse 6, he said, I am brought very low. And so, you know, we've all been in that situation before where we've been in those times of discouragement and despair. And remember last week before last when we, I gave an illustration to begin this message and I talked about a little bit about the days, the old days back before we had uh, before we had all cameras uh, on our phones and had digital photography that we used this, this, this strange thing called film that we put in cameras. Remember that? And uh, would actually take pictures with film. And then we would take it to a kiosk or we would take it to Walmart or to Walgreens or somewhere. And we would, have, we would give it to them and they would develop that and go back in a couple of days and you would have your pictures and so there was something about that, that, that process of developing that film. And remember we said that what, what, what it took to develop that film was it had to be taken into a dark room it couldn't just be exposed to the light or it would ruin the film it would ruin the negative so for that film to be developed it had to be taken into a dark room before the beauty of those pictures could be exposed that film had to spend some time in the in the darkness or in that dark room and so i made the that that gave that little illustration and made the analogy that there are times in our life in all of our lives that we find ourselves in the dark room. How many knows what I'm talking about? And uh, it's in those times that we go into those dark periods, those times of testing and trial... It's those times in that dark room that God uses to develop us and to develop our faith. And we know that our faith has to be developed and it has to grow and it has to be tested. And if you have faith, what you do if you're a child of God, you have faith, everybody that's born again has faith, right? It took, you took faith to get you saved and you live by faith, you walk by faith, you live by faith every single day of your life. But in order for your faith to grow and for your faith to develop and for you to grow and develop, there has to be those periods and those times that we go into the dark room and our faith is tested. And, um, you know, it's kind of like resistance strength training, you know, where you you, you build that weightlifter, uh, builds up those muscles through resistance, through weightlifting, through through, you know, that resistance. And so um, that's the way our faith is developed and built as well. And so David is, is, is in that particular place. He's in that dark place. He's in that cave and um, hiding from Saul. And so in Psalm 142, here we see David's reaction to the situation that he's in. We see in Psalm 142 how David handled the circumstances that he was going through. We see how that he coped with that dark hour in his life. And we know from the Word of God that he, came, he, didn't, he didn't die in the cave and he didn't stay in the cave... But he did come through the cave and he came out of the cave and God delivered him from the situation that he was in. So, But there was a period that he was in that cave that he had to deal with that situation. And this 142nd Psalm shows us how he dealt with it. It shows us how we are to behave in a cave. Now I'm not saying you're going to be in a literal cave, but spiritually speaking all of us go into that, that dark time we have those storms of life we have those times we all have we have a we have a spiritual enemy that is against us and that is attacking us and so we face those times of discouragement and despair so week before last i spent some time laying foundation of this of this message talking about discouragement. How many you remember that? Now, I'm not going to go back into all that, but we talked about discouragement and how that discouragement is one of the chief or probably the chief tool that Satan uses to bring God's people down, to defeat you and to rob you of the blessings of the Lord in your life. And everybody gets discouraged. I know, you know, there's some people maybe say, well, not me. You know, I heard a preacher one time say, I never have a down day. I never get discouraged. Well, praise God for that. Amen? I'm glad he's there. I ain't there yet, all right? And if you're there, uh, praise God for it. If you never have, a, a, if you never have to battle discouragement. But I, but I think the fact of the matter is that all of us in this room tonight have in the past battled discouragement and all of us do still yet battle discouragement because it is a weapon that Satan uses. And discouragement is a state of mind that, that it, it, it attacks our mind. Remember, the battleground's right here, amen, in the mind. And uh, it, it attacks the mind and the soulish part of, of, our, of our being, which is our mind. The soul is the, made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. So, discouragement, it, it attacks the mind. It's a state of mind. It attacks your emotions. When you're discouraged, you're down emotionally. Isn't that right? And so when that happens, you, you, you get down mentally and emotionally. You get down spiritually as well. And so it's a state, discouragement is, it's a state of mind that is contrary to the Word of God and it's contrary to Christian living. It's a state of mind that we as Christians must always resist. We can never, must never, ever give in to discouragement or yield to discouragement. We've got to always resist it. And so discouragement is something that we either allow and permit in our life or we refuse it and resist it. Are you with me? See, you know, somebody said, well, I'm discouraged and I just can't help it. Well, that's not correct. Discouragement comes against us, but we have to do something about it. We either either stand against it and we refuse it and we resist it and we overcome it or we allow it and permit it. Now, you know, somebody said, well, I just don't know if I believe that or not. Well, you know, it's, it's it's a biblical fact because you remember, you know, in the book of Joshua, in the first chapter of Joshua, when God was calling Joshua to replace, to take the place of Moses... He told him, I believe it was four times, three or four times in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord told Joshua, he said, be strong and of a good courage. And then he repeated it to him again. He said, "Be strong and very courageous." Amen. And then, you know, he said, "Do not fear, be afraid, or be dismayed, but be strong and very courageous." Now, would God be telling this man to do something that he couldn't do? And the reason God was telling uh, telling Joshua was that that was because he knew that there was the tendency for him to be discouraged. He was facing a taunting. Uh, a task a daunting task that he had to that he had to face stepping in taking the place of Moses leading the children of Israel into the promised land and so God knew that Joshua was going to face discouragement and told him he said don't be discouraged Joshua you be strong and very courageous Jesus in the 14th chapter of of John's gospel Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. And then he said this, he said, because you have my peace, he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen? In that first verse of John 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. So why would he tell us, don't let your heart be troubled, if we didn't have any... Um, control over whether we are troubled or discouraged or full of worry and anxiety. The fact is, it, the ball's in our court. Come on, amen? We can either just yield to discouragement. We can yield to worry. We can yield to anxiety. You can yield to any temptation, but you've got to resist. The Bible says to, for us to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and what will happen? He'll just keep hanging around. No, it says that he'll flee from us. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we've got, to, uh, we've got to, to guard our hearts. We've got to guard our minds because we decide what we will. We, you, you make the decision. I make the decision every day what we're going to allow ourselves to dwell on, to meditate on, to think about by the things we listen to, what we watch, you know, um, what we read. We, we sit around and we fill our mind with stuff. And the enemy comes and puts thoughts in our minds. Those thoughts have to be dealt with. You have to decide. I have to decide every single day of my life what I'm going to think about and what I'm going to meditate on and what I'm going to allow my mind. i got to take control of my thoughts. Are you with me? And so do you. Amen. Paul said in Philippians 4 and 8. He told us in Philippians 4 and 8. In in Philippians 4, 6 and, and 7. Paul said, Paul said they're writing to that church, to those believers, he said, do. Don't be anxious or fretful. That means to be worried about anything. But in everything, in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then in verse 7, he said, And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. That's what you need instead of discouragement, instead of anxiety, instead of worry, instead of fretting. What you need and I need is the peace of God that guards our minds and guards our hearts. And then notice in verse number 8 what he says there. He says this, and then he says, And what, whatever things are true, and whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy... Meditate on these things. So there the the scripture's telling us what to meditate on, what to think about, what to focus our thoughts and our minds on. Amen? Because the devil's always trying to get our thoughts focused on things that will bring us down, that will upset us, that will cause us to worry, that will cause us to be discouraged. But we have got to focus. We've got to make ourselves think about the things that are just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy. Think on the good stuff. In other words, he's saying, get your mind on the Lord. Get your mind on the Word of God. Get your mind on Jesus. Get your nose in the Bible. Come on. Amen. Get some scriptures and start meditating on the Word of God. Hallelujah. See, you may be going through a cave or in a cave tonight but but and going through that dark place in your life right now, But but you need to know how to behave when you're facing the cave. Can I get an amen? Praise God. Amen. So I'm still reviewing. It's been two weeks. So the first thing that we found out here after we talked about discouragement, the first thing that the first point that we made was David. In that cave, the first thing that he did was he took the situation to God in prayer. And so that has to be the first thing that you do. because you, you, you don't want to wait till you're in the cave before you pray. You need to pray every day. You need to be in communion with the Lord every day. But when you're in the cave, you need to take it to the Lord. And that's what David did in verses 1 and 2 of that psalm. He said, I cry out to the Lord with my voice with my voice to the Lord I make my supplication I will pour out my complaint before him I declare before him my trouble So this was the first thing that David did was he went to the Lord and he told God his situation now God already knew his situation didn't he he knew where he was at and uh, God wasn't causing it but he did permit it and he knew where David was but yet David is telling him about his trouble what's that old song says have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Then you'll feel a little prayer wheel turning and you'll know that a little fire is burning. When you find, then you'll find a little talk with Jesus makes everything all right. Can I get an amen tonight? Hallelujah. So that's what he did. He poured out his complaint before the Lord and he declared before the Lord his trouble. He prayed. He turned to the only one that he knew that could help him and he began to pour out his heart to the Lord. And we know that nobody listens like Jesus listens. Amen. He knows what to do. And he acknowledges, David does in this psalm, he acknowledges that he doesn't know what to do, but he does know one that does know what to do. And he knew that God had the answer to his problem and his dilemma. In verse 3 he said, When my spirits overwhelm within me, then you knew my path. So David realized in that in that passage he re, 's realizing there that he cannot make it on his own, but he knows that God knows the way he doesn 't know what 's around the next corner he doesn 't know what the next day is going to hold he doesn 't know when saul's going going to kill him. matter of fact, there's one I think it 's the twenty seventh chapter first Samuel. David got so down that he even said, "I know one day i 'm going to perish by the hand of Saul." I mean, he had literally come to a place where he had he basically given up believing that God was, gonna, God was somehow going to get him out. So that's when he fled. That, see, when that happens, when you get in that place, that's when you get out of the will of God because that's when David went down to Gath, got hooked up with Achish and the Philistines and and spent some time out of the will of God. But why did he get there? Because he reasoned in his self and in his mind and he said, well, I know one day Saul's going to kill me. He's going to get me. We cannot allow ourselves to get to that place. Take that to the Lord in prayer. Cast your burden on the Lord, the Bible says, and he will save sustain you. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. That's how we behave in the cave. We pour our heart out to God and pray and seek the Lord. Tell it to Jesus. Tell him what you're going through. Tell him what you're facing. He already knows it, but tell him and then believe him that he's going to lead you through it and he's going to show you what to do and he's going to give you the victory right in the middle of it that the devil is not going to win that battle in your life. Amen. Praise God. You've got to make that determination. So the first thing when you're in the cave is to pray. That's how you behave in the cave. But then the second thing that you have to do, the second lesson you have to learn how we have to behave is, secondly, don't don't place your trust in people. Don't place your trust in people. Look look at verse 4. He said this, Look on my right hand and see. Notice what he says. For there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me, and no one cares for my soul. Do you see that? Yes, sir. He's, he's getting, old, oh, man. <laughs> here David, the man after God's own heart, is getting in a little bit of a pity party here, and he says, nobody even cares for me. There's no one that acknowledges me. No one cares for my soul. what David was feeling here was a lack of companion. He didn't have somebody that could help him in this situation. And it's one of the saddest pictures that we see in David's life because David seems here in this psalm to be all alone. He seems... If you were reading this and you were thinking, well, David was running from Saul and he was all by himself... And he was in this cave all by himself, and he didn't have any friends with him. He didn't have nobody there to, to talk to. He didn't have nobody there to help him. It, you would think that he was isolated, and there was nobody there for him to depend on or to give him any help or encouragement. But you know what? The fact is, David was not by himself. Are you with me? He was not alone. He wasn't by himself. Amen. Um, in, in 1 Samuel 22, the scripture tells us that there was... He had over 400 men that had came and joined up with him there at Adullam, at the cave of Adullam. And when you read about it, it said, here, here's the description. Can I give you the description of the, of the folks that came to David. The description is this. Here they were. It says that everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. See, here was the thing. He didn't have a lack of company, but he did have a lack of companion because there was no one out of all those 400 men that came there to Adullam to be with him. Yeah, he had company, but he didn't have anybody that he could confide in or that could encourage him or that could lift him up. Nobody understood what he was feeling because they were all looking to David for encouragement. Why? Because they were in worse shape than he was. (laughs) Amen? Amen? They all had their own problems. It said they were in distress, they were in debt and they were discontented. Sounds like the majority of the church today. <laughs> Amen? Can you imagine this is it? He had a, he had a congregation of 400, and they, were all, they all had more problems than he did. So they wasn't none of them could help him out. I mean he's looking for somebody to encourage him, somebody to give him a boost but uh, he's needing uh, he's just he looks around on those those that are with him and, and and like I said they're in worse shape than he is and and no one he said there in that psalm he said no one would acknowledge him. So what does he mean by that when he said no one will acknowledge me no one he, he, what he was saying was that nobody in that group of 400 nobody had a single word of encouragement encouragement to lift him up and to pick him up out of the out of the molly grubs that he was in anybody ever get in the molly grubs yeah Well, he didn't have nobody. He said, nobody will even acknowledge me. Nobody even cares for me. See, we've all been there in that situation. When we've been looking for somebody to lift us up just a little bit, but you had nobody that you could turn to. See, David's feeling here. He's feeling, he's going through a struggle in his life, and now he's feeling a lack of concern. He said there in verse 4, he said, No one acknowledges me, and no man cares for my soul he felt like that nobody really cared about him see let me tell you something that is the very place that the enemy wants to get you that's the very place that he wants to bring us to to think of that nobody cares about me nobody's concerned about me and, 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 and I'll be the first to say probably we as Christians probably should well no probably is about it we should show a little more care and concern for for our brothers and sisters in Christ than what we do, amen? We need to be there for them when they're down. We need to do what we can to try to be an encouragement to one another, amen? I thought about that young man, and his name escapes me right now, but... In Timothy, Paul talked about about him. said he came uh, to he came and sought Paul out when he was in Rome when Paul was locked up in prison. and he said he came to me and he sought me out and he came to where I was and said. Here's what Paul said about this man. He said he off refreshed me he can't, just him being there just him showing up to to be there when everybody else had forsaken Paul and left Paul it was an encouragement and a refreshing in Paul's life and so we've all been in that place where nobody, where we feel like no one understands and no one cares and no one knows what we're going through, I thought about how that when Paul wrote to Timothy and he said this to Timothy, he said uh, he said at my first defense when he was going to stand before uh, before Nero. He said, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. But the Lord, here's the thing, but the Lord stood with me and the Lord strengthened me. See, that's the thing. I, I, it's always good. It's always good when you got somebody that'll come along and give you a word have a word of encouragement and and have the tongue of the learned as the Bible says to speak a word to the weary in due season we need to have that word in due season that can pick somebody up and lift up their spirits and give them some encouragement amen but can I tell you what when everybody's gone when everybody's forsaken you when you're standing all by yourself when you're like the Apostle Paul where he says where he said everybody Everybody left me. Hallelujah. I want you to know the Lord will still be standing by your side. He'll never leave you, and He'll never forsake you. Amen? Amen. So don't depend. You know, like I said, it's good when somebody can and does encourage us. But don't get in that place where where we're saying, Oh, nobody cares about me. I just think I'll quit just think I'll give up. Nobody loves me. Don't depend. Hey, receive encouragement when you get it, but don't depend on others for your encouragement because it may not be there. It may or it may not be there. So here's the third thing, though. When it's not there, what do you do? Because here's what David was thinking, and here's what he was facing. He's got 400 guys there that's all in a mess, they got their own problems. They're not encouraging him. So when that, come, when that happens, that's when you have to do this third thing. This is how you behave in a cave. That's when you got to, when nobody else encourages you, that's when you got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Amen? David did this on another occasion too in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 when Ziklag had been burned with fire and attacked by the Amalekites and everything that they had was lost. And you all remember that story. And everything that they had was gone. And uh, his men spoke of stoning him, but the Bible said in that lowest point in David's life that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. But here we see, I believe believe what David does here is that uh, here in this cave, he picks himself up, he dusts himself off, and then he encourages himself in the Lord. We notice in verse number 5 how he recognizes who God is. Now see, you know, he's poured out his complaint to the Lord. He's he's felt forsaken. He said, nobody cares for me. Nobody acknowledges me. Nobody will will give me a word of encouragement. But then notice verse 5. He says, I cried out to you, O Lord, and I said... Now here now he's starting to get the up look. Oh, glory to God. I'm about to have have a Pentecostal spell. Amen. He said, but you are my refuge my portion in the land of the living. See, listen, he may not have had anyone else that he could turn to, but then he realized one thing. He realized that he still had God. And David, here in this dark place in his life, when he feels totally abandoned, and he feels that no one understood and no one cared for him, no one understood his situation, he was as down and discouraged as he has ever been, and he didn't know if he was going to get out of this alive or not but it was at that very moment that he does something that is so important you know what it was he got his eyes off his trouble and got his eyes off his problem and quit focusing on the trouble he was in and begins to recognize again who his God is and what his God can do for Him. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. Amen. David stopped looking down and he started looking up. Oh, hallelujah. I got to read something. We, we got a song we play around here on prayer meeting days every once in a while. But in Psalm 3, listen to this. Listen to this. This is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. He said, "Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say, which say of my soul there is no help for him in God.' And how many times the devil told you that? Ain't no he- nobody going to help you. God's not going to help for- help you. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory. Notice this and the lifter up." The lifter up of my head. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just got to get our head up out of the, out from looking down and we got to get that up look. We got to look up. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. When you look up, that's where the victory is. He's the lifter up of my head. David. David here, you know, he says, I may be in a cave, and I may be in a dark place, and I don't really know what I'm going to do, but, you know, in spite of all this, there's one thing I do know, Lord, and that is this. You are my refuge, and you are my portion. See, David realized something here, saints of God. David realized that there was still one that was a hiding place and a shelter for him in the storms of life, and that was his God. And I want to tell you something tonight, saints. There is one who is our refuge. He is our refuge. God is. He is our fortress. He is our portion. What does it mean there when he said, you're my refuge and my portion? My portion. God is our portion. And And I got to looking at that and, and that word portion is a, used here in this text. It's a metaphor of a person that's doing their part in something. So what David was saying here about God doing his part, David was saying to the Lord, I'm doing, I'm doing my part. I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust in you. And I believe you will be my portion and you will do your part and you will put your portion in this and your part in this, amen? And when God puts his, adds his, blessing and His portion and does His part, there is always going to be victory that comes and deliverance that comes in our life. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you will do your part, God will do His part. We're always worried about doing something that, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. There's one thing you can do. You can pray and you can trust and you can believe and that's all God requires of you and when you pray and you trust and you believe that's your part and then God your portion will give you his portion and do his part to bring you out and do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Glory be to God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He realized his source of victory He said in verse 6 attend to my cry for I'm brought very low deliver me from my persecutors for they are stronger than I what was he doing here he was realizing that he had to have God or he wasn't getting out of this he had to have the Lord God was his source he said my He said, my persecutors, God, you're going to have to deliver me from my persecutors because they are stronger than I am. Can I tell you something tonight? It's not something that you don't know. You know this. But the devil, demons, the powers of darkness are stronger than you are in your own self. Amen? In your own strength and power and ability, you cannot overcome the powers of darkness. But the good news is this. The good news is that you're not facing the powers of darkness in your own strength and in your own power or in your own ability. The good news is that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. The good news is praise God that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you as a believer as a child of God has come to live and dwell and abide in you and he has given you power and authority over all the works of the enemy and he said nothing shall by any means harm you or hurt you he said you will tread upon serpents and upon scorpions I give you that authority and that power and the problem is with so many of us in the church today, we have been delegated that authority through the blood of Jesus, through the word of God, through the name of Jesus, but so many times we just don't take that authority. We just, you know, we tuck tail and run. We don't stand up to the devil. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Listen, we've got a source of victory tonight. It's not me. It's not my strength. It's not by my might. It's not by my Power, but it is by his spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Praise God. Amen? Amen. That's what David was admitting here. See, listen, here's David, a man that has been, he has been anointed king to be king over Israel. He hasn't taken the throne yet, but saw Samuel has come and has anointed him. Uh, to be king over Israel. Here we're, we're 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 talking about this this man that killed as a as a as a, a a young shepherd boy. He killed a bear and a lion with his own hands, with his bare hands. Amen. We're talking here about a, a a a guy that stood before the giant Goliath with nothing but five smooth stones in his shepherd's bag and a slingshot, and he brought down the giant when the whole rest of the armies of Israel were afraid of him, amen? And this man, David, stood there and defeated defeated Goliath with a sling and a stone. This is the man that they said, they sang songs about David. Did you know that? They sang songs about David. And they said, the the ladies and all them would dance on the streets and say, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has... Has slain his tens of thousands I mean he's a pretty big shot come on somebody he's killed bears and lions and giants he's anointed king he's had he has the people saying he's slain his tens of thousands he was referred to as the man after God's own heart but can I tell you what he didn't lean on any of that in spite of all of that David admits that these enemies that he is facing are stronger than I and he says if anything is done it's going to have to be God that does it for me. That's humility and that's the place we got to get in praise God within myself. I can't do it but praise God my faith is in him tonight. Amen. He will bring me through when the enemies are stronger than I am. Amen. He's admitting that. If victory comes, it's got to come through God and through God alone. And can I tell you something, folks? That is the key to every single victory in your life and in my life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm going to skip some stuff so I can finish this. I was going to preach a little bit about David and Goliath, but we'll go on. Your enemies... May be stronger than you they may be more powerful than you but they are not i said they are not stronger than your god they are not stronger or more powerful than the spirit of the lord that's on the inside of you that's why paul said to that corinthian church what don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the holy spirit and the Spirit of God lives in you, it was like he was, he was just flabbergasted that they couldn't get that. And I think sometimes sometimes we we, we fail to realize that, that this body is the temple. God, the Holy Ghost is not dwelling in some house. He, he's not living here in this building. And we just come and meet with him here on Sundays and Wednesdays. Oh, no, no, no. Your body is the temple. He's not dwelling in a, in a house made with hands anymore. He moved out of that Holy of Holies. When that veil was written too and he came to live and dwell in the bodies of every born again blood washed spirit filled child of God come on amen the power of the Holy Ghost is in you Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you you and I need to understand and we need to realize who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit he's stronger the enemy's stronger than me but he's not stronger than the God that lives within me Woo! hallelujah amen 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 that'll encourage you that'll encourage you Yes, sir. when you get to talking like that that's the way you got to talk you, I'm talking about encouraging yourself that's the way you got to talk that's right get on out of here devil Greater is He's in me. He's in the world. Jesus whooped you at Calvary. Jesus knocked your teeth out, slew foot, 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. He crushed your head at Calvary. The blood of Jesus is against you. That's encouraging yourself in the Lord. Last of all, I got to close, I got to finish. Got three minutes. I ain't never been able to close a sermon in three minutes of my life. Fourthly, this is vital. This, this is simple, but it's important. Don't lose your praise when you're in the cave. Don't lose your praise when you're in the cave. Verse 7 of that 142nd Psalm says this, Bring my soul out of prison. This is still the prayer of David to the Lord. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. Whew. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Here's the climax of the story right here. Here's the climax, the climax of the prayer. And that is this, David is set for praise. See, David, he, 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 he doesn't say, Lord, you get me out of here. <laughs> if you'll get me out of this cave I promise I'll do better if you get me out if you just get me out of here I, I, I promise you Lord I'll, I'll go to church this next Sunday if you get me out you know, I, I, I'll do it, I'll, do, I'll be better that's not what he's saying at all but you know what he did say he said God if you get me out of here if you'll be my helper in this, if you'll deliver me from my enemies, if you'll get me out of this cave, if you'll deliver me from the hand of Saul, which I know you will, he says, if you'll get me out of here for no other reason, no other reason but so that I can just give praise unto your name. I'm going to give praise unto your name. He said, because you shall deal bountifully with me. See, listen, listen, saints, even in this cave, he still had God and even in the cave he still God is still God and he's still worthy to be praised And you may find yourself tonight in the dark recesses of that cave of discouragement. But I'm going to tell you something. You won't stay there forever if you'll just learn how to behave in the cave. The discouragement cannot defeat you if you'll just learn how to behave in the cave. See, just like David came out. David couldn't see the end result at that moment. But yet he said to the Lord, you get me out of here. I'm set on praising you. I am going to praise you. And so even when, see, this is the key. And I know we preach on this, you know, we've preached on this, this thought before. But this is the key, is pray if you can praise God in the cave, if you can praise glory to God, if you can praise God in the cave and praise God in the dark, you can praise your way out of the cave, out of discouragement and into victory. Amen. Because God inhabits and dwells and lives in the praises of his people and there's one thing that old Slewfoot can't handle. There's one thing that he can't stand. He cannot stand it when a child of God begins to lift up those hands even in the midst of the cave and even in the midst of discouragement and begins to exalt God all mighty and praise the name of Jesus and worship the heavenly Father. Hallelujah. I'm telling you heaven will come down. The lights will come in in that dark cave and every demon and every devil and every doubt of despair and discouragement will have to go and will have to leave and will have to flee if you'll learn how to praise God in the midst of the cave. Hallelujah. You're coming out. You're coming out. You're coming out. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to close with a story. I was going to tell this the other night, but I I did tell this at at, uh, prayer service the other day. Worship team, you you can make your way back because I think I'm done. My time's up. I, I, I was last week while I was camping reading a book. Uh by Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans. The book was written in 1926. Lillian Yeomans was a medical doctor in uh, the early uh, early part of the 20th century, late 19th or 20th century. And uh, she had been uh, addicted to cocaine, some other uh, drugs. But anyway, God had delivered... Not cocaine, it was morphine, that's right, sorry. Morphine she was taking morphine to just kind of calm her down, but anyway, God delivered her from that but in 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 this book and, and she became a minister with the assemblies of God. God saved her, delivered her, called her to preach, she became a minister with the assemblies of God, and uh, saw God just heal people miraculously. but she told the story in this book about uh, a missionary from China who had who had got smallpox she had been ministering to those people in China and this was when China was open to the gospel back in the early 1900's and um, she had gotten smallpox of course at that time there was no cure at all for smallpox so they put her in an infirmary this missionary put her in a room pretty much you know just put her there to die and uh, but the Lord spoke to her heart And the Lord told her just to praise him.